Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. Hey everybody, I hope you're doing well today. We are smack dab in the middle of summer. We want to continue our series of podcasts today called Mind Fitness. Mind Fitness. We took one week off last week to interview my three boys. If you didn't listen to that podcast, I highly recommend that you do. Um, But today we want to continue and pick up where we left off on the series called Mind Fitness. Today is July 7th, 2021. We're smack dab in the middle of the summer and it's hot. Today is 91 degrees and humid. I'm not a big fan of heat. Many of you know that by now. Uh, But today we want to use sort of a metaphor of water. I don't know if any of you love the season summer. I told you I do not. I'm more of a fall and winter guy. But summer and water tend to go hand in hand, don't they? Uh, Summer season also means it's swimming season. And I don't know if any of you have a love affair with water and want to do whatever you can to get into water as often as you can. But I had a lukewarm relationship with water growing up. And uh, I didn't love water. I also didn't hate water. I wasn't scared of water or anything like that. I was a decent swimmer. But I didn't try to get into the water. I didn't love the water. Every now and then I would get into the pool and every now and then I would like to be on a boat or a dock or something like that. I definitely like being near water. I like looking at water. I really love flowing water. Some people want to sit by the beach and I get that, but I want to sit near a big brook or stream or a nice big flowing water. I just find that very, very peaceful. So I love water in that aspect, but as far as being in the water... I wasn't a big fan of it. So what I would do growing up, and, and this is how my mom would, would compare and contrast my brother with myself, is my brother Travis, number one, he loved the water. Number two, he seemed to be fearless. So whenever there was a chance to get in the water, my brother would just jump in. He'd find the water, he'd dump, jump in and not even worry about it. Versus me, that I'd like to go up to the water and I'd like to you know get nice and cozy with it quick. I'd like to dip a toe in, see how that feels. If that goes well, I'd put my ankle in and then up to my knee and so on and so forth. You know, by the time I got into the water, everybody was, you know, done with the water and wanted to get out. That's typically typically how it went. But I didn't love water, so I, I, t- I typically would stay in for a little while, and that would be enough for me. And I can kind of see that in some of my children. Some of my children love water and just want to be in it all the time. And then there's a couple that are kind of like me that after five or ten minutes, they're kind of done with the water. You know, the whole water thing is kind of over. And Well, my relationship with water is kind of a metaphor for a relationship that I see today which is pretty common, and I don't think it's just a modern problem. I think it's an age-old problem with people in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll explain that here in a little bit. But before we do, I want to read a couple passages of Scripture. One was read to us this past Sunday. We had a 4th of July service at our house, and we had a special speaker, our band member, excuse me, our band leader, his name is TGD. We let him speak. He gave a little devotional, and he spoke on this passage from Matthew 16, which is a really profound passage, and I just want to read a portion of it now. It says in Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17, this is what he quoted. He said, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
it was a really powerful lesson as, as this man spoke to us about who Jesus is and who he's supposed to be to us, to the world, and to those of us who know Jesus Christ. Of course, he's not just a good teacher or a prophet. He's the Son of God. He's the Christ. And that's what Peter's answer was back to Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to Peter, you're blessed, Peter, because you could not have known that unless the Father, God, had revealed that to you. And so I want to springboard off of that passage, and I want to read another passage that is very near and dear to my heart. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. Listen to the language here. It says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I love that passage. In fact, I think I've podcasted about this passage before, but we want to talk about nothing or everything today. Nothing versus everything. See, Peter, we know Peter's story and his testimony. He was one of those souls that gave up everything to follow Jesus. I mean, he was a fisherman. Jesus came by and he called Peter and said, Peter, follow me. Peter dropped his net. He dropped his profession. He dropped his old lifestyle and he followed Jesus full time. And it's so commonplace to us by reading that passage, it's like, we're numb to it. But that's a shocking thing to understand, that someone comes by and says, follow me, and you drop everything, you leave your entire lifestyle, your livelihood, your former lifestyle, and you give it up and you follow Jesus Christ. But that's what Peter did. Peter dropped everything and he followed Jesus Christ. And it's because, and he reveals to us in Matthew 16 why that is, is because Peter understood that Jesus was the Son of God the Son of God that came from heaven to earth and put on flesh. Peter realized that. He didn't know everything about Jesus Christ. He was pretty immature when he began his relationship with Jesus, but he understood enough that Jesus came from heaven as God's only begotten Son. And if, that, if he was the Son of God, he was an incredibly important person, a person that is deserving and demanding to follow no matter what it takes. Peter said, you're also the Christ. The word Christ means Messiah, chosen one, the one that was foretold for generation after generation, that the Christ, the Messiah, would come to this earth to save his people from their sins. He and he alone would save the world. So Peter understood that Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ from Nazareth, was the Son of God and also the Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. Many of the Jews did not believe that and still don't believe that. They believe the Messiah still hasn't come, but Peter believed and said it's Jesus. Jesus, you obviously are the Son of God. You obviously are the Christ. You're not just a prophet. You're not just a good teacher, but you're the Christ and you're the Son of God. And therefore, Peter gave his entire life to following Jesus. And here's five reasons why Peter did that, besides just the fact that he believed that Jesus was the Son of God and that he was the Christ. Because I think most, if not all, people who would profess to follow Jesus Christ would say that about the Lord Jesus Christ, is that he's the Christ and he's the Son of God. They would doctrinally attest that. They would affirm that. They would, would, they would line up on that side of the group and say, yes, he's not just a man. He's not just a good teacher. He is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. But Peter went well beyond that. Peter, there were five things about Peter Peter's understanding about Jesus Christ that caused him to follow Jesus with his entire life. And here are the five things that I believe Peter knew and had and believed which caused him to give Jesus everything. Number one, Peter's sins. 
were forgiven. Jesus had forgiven Peter's sins. Peter, his name used to be Simon. Simon was a sinner. Simon chose to do things that hurt God and hurt people. He lived in a lifestyle of anti-God and anti-Christ habits. When Jesus came to Peter, Jesus forgave all of Peter's sins. Peter knew what it was like to have his sins and the guilt and the shame of those sins removed. He'd experienced what it was like for Christ to come into his soul and to cleanse him and to heal him and for those sins to fall away. Peter knew that. He knew that by experience. And so he followed Jesus Christ because Jesus had forgiven his sins. Peter was also not going to hell anymore. For a long time, because of his sinful lifestyle, Peter was walking straight to hell. If his lifestyle would have continued, if Jesus Christ had not turned him around and forgiven his sins, Peter would have ended up straight into hell, the pits of hell, because of his sins. And because Jesus forgave Peter's sins, because Jesus turned Peter around, Peter was now walking toward heaven. And that was a dramatic change in Peter's life. In fact, so much of a change that Peter became a, a person that people didn't recognize. He lived for things that were unimaginable for, for people who knew Simon and knew his lifestyle. But now he was a heavenly citizen. And he was not going to hell anymore. He didn't belong to hell or the kingdom of darkness anymore. He belonged to the kingdom of heaven. And he lived his lifestyle in accordance to that, because of that. Number three is Peter was saved from his sin and had power over those sins. Peter was not only just forgiven, Peter was given power from God to say no to things that he previously could not say no to. There were sins that Peter did, and Peter did habitually. Simon but when Jesus came into his life, he gave Peter power and said, Peter, here you go. You can say no to sin now. Your chains are gone. You've been set free. You can now stand up to the devil, stand up to your fleshly lusts, and you can say no. Peter experienced what it was like to say no to sin for the first time because of his relationship to Jesus Christ. Number four is Peter was allowed to serve the kingdom of God. Peter was given the purpose of purposes. He was allowed and privileged to be a kingdom of God servant. That whatever Peter did from that moment on, from his conversion, from his salvation to the end of his life, was to serve the only lasting kingdom, the kingdom of God. And that was the most amazing purpose anyone could ever receive. Peter was given that purpose. Peter was called into that lifestyle. Peter was charged with advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ and giving his life to help others know this Jesus Christ. Number five, Peter was loved by God. Not just in a doctrinal sense, but Peter experienced the love of God every single day of his life. Jesus specifically loved Peter. He taught Peter. He trained Peter. He was compassionate to Peter. He came near Peter. He helped Peter. He encouraged Peter. He provided for Peter. He protected Peter, on and on and on. Peter knew what it was like to be loved by God. So even beyond just knowing that he was the Christ and the Son of God, Peter's sins were forgiven. Peter was not on his way to hell. He was a heavenly citizen. He was saved from those sins. He was given power to say no to sin. He was allowed and privileged to serve the kingdom of God, and he was loved by God. And because of these five things, Peter, like thousands of others, literally thousands in this world, now and in Peter's day, gave their entire life to Jesus because of what Jesus had done for Peter. 
Now, we understand why some people give Jesus nothing. The reason some people give Jesus nothing is because they either don't believe who Jesus is or they don't want to give up their sins. And that equation makes sense. They don't believe who Jesus is. They say he's not the Christ. He's just a man who died, who lived upon the earth and died and is no longer. He's no big deal. Or I don't want to give up my sins. Maybe he is who he said he is, but I love my sins and I don't want to give them up. So no, I don't want to follow Jesus Christ. And therefore they give Jesus nothing. Now, that's a sad tale, but at least it makes logical sense. Nothing equals nothing. They take nothing from Jesus and therefore they give nothing to Jesus. But here's a question today. Why do so many others give Jesus some of themselves? Why are there some who sort of follow Jesus? Does that equation make sense to us? See, to those who take nothing from Jesus, they give nothing to Jesus. That makes sense. That, that's in a working equation, we would call it. To those who take everything from Jesus logically, according to the same equation, should give everything to Jesus. If you take everything, which Peter did from Jesus, then he should give everything back to Jesus. That's kind of what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 to 15. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. To take everything means to give everything back. But what about those who only give some? What about those who have a relationship with Jesus, kind of like my relationship with water growing up? I'll give a toe, I'll give an ankle, I'll give a knee, but I won't give my whole body. And if I do, I'm going to make sure there's a quick exit so whenever I want to leave, I can. Why are there some who continually exist in this sort of relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And all I'm going to do is I'm going to take a stab at it today, okay? I'm going to answer with what my understanding is of the, of the gospel, of the Christian life, and my perspective growing up in Christian circles because I had to answer that question that question for myself in my mid-twenties I professed to be a Jesus follower but I was giving him a toe an ankle or a knee at most I was not following Jesus Christ with everything I had taken everything or I said I did but I was only giving a fraction back to Jesus and the reason perhaps why some are giving only a little bit to Jesus and not everything to Jesus is because, and here's what's tragic, is maybe they don't know Jesus personally like they claim to. Maybe. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe there are thousands, maybe even tens of thousands, maybe even millions of people who say they love Jesus, they know Jesus, and they don't. And the reason I consider that to be a possibility is because of what Scripture seems to say over and over and over about our evil one, about the deception out there, about the false teachers out there, about the spiritual warfare that we're facing, and my own perspective. I've seen it in my own life and many others around me. Is that maybe it's a farce. Maybe there's a forgery Christianity out there, one that is based on assertion only and not experience. See, to many in Jesus' day, he was, he was only a gifted teacher or a prophet. In fact, that's why the line of questioning was there from Jesus to Peter. You know, Peter, who do they say that I am? And Peter's like, well, they say you're a prophet like Jeremiah or one of the others. And, and then Jesus is like, well, who do you say that I am? And he says, well, you're the Christ. You're the Son of God. Because there was a difference between those who knew him by seeing him and witnessing some things about him to those who knew him personally by experience. And Peter was one of those 
who had entered into an experienced knowledge of Jesus Christ. He didn't just know him from seeing some things, you know, or going to a, a show and going, whoa, I just saw Jesus do something really, really cool. He must be someone special. No, Jesus knew, or Peter, excuse me, Peter knew Jesus experientially. He knew him personally. Perhaps today there are many who are giving Jesus only some of their lives because they have been duped into thinking that they know him personally when they actually do not. And I was in that category of people. I was one of those people who claimed to know Jesus personally, experientially, and I'm not sure that he did. See, the five things that Peter had in his life are the five things that you and I should have as well. If we are true Jesus followers, these five things will be true about us just like they were true about Peter. Number one, has Jesus forgiven your sins? These are questions I had to answer myself and I want you to answer them today as you listen to these. Has Jesus forgiven your sins? And the way that you'll know is if your sins are forgiven is if the guilt and the shame of those sins have been removed. See, the devil loves shame. He loves guilt because it suppresses us. It keeps us down. It makes us feel worthless. It allows us to not do anything good and, and profitable. But if Jesus can remove that guilt and shame, it allows us to stand back up and it allows us to move forward once again. And if you have had your sins forgiven, you will know what it's like when that guilt and that shame has been removed from your life. And I know what that is like. When I did have guilt and I did have shame and I was in filthy sins. And Jesus came and he forgave them and cleansed me and healed me and said, they're gone, Todd. They're gone. You don't have to feel guilt and shame anymore. Now get up and serve my kingdom. I remember what that was like. Do you? Do you know what that experience is like of having your sins forgiven? Your sins. Not sins that the general person faces. Your specific sins. The things that you said. The things that you did. The things that you looked at the things that you glorified in, have those sins been forgiven? You will know when it is because that feeling will overwhelm you of peace and comfort and security and the guilt and shame having been removed from your life. It's a powerful experience. Number one is Jesus forgiving your sins. Number two, are you living a life that is different based on what Jesus has done for you? See, Peter, he changed he went from being Simon Peter who was selfish and lived for himself and did selfish, sinful things to Peter who followed Jesus Christ and advanced the gospel. When you trust in Jesus Christ, you change. It's, it's a term we call being born again. It comes from John chapter 3 where Jesus tells Nicodemus, that's what's going to happen if you believe in me. You're going to be born again. Not physically. You're not going to go back into your mother's womb. You're going to go through a spiritual rebirth. And you will be a completely different person with a completely different lifestyle. You will now be a heavenly citizen. And your life will now be characterized and should be characterized by someone who belongs to heaven. Versus what you used to be characterized by, someone who belonged to the kingdom of darkness and lived for hellish things. See, Peter had that transformation. Peter changed. Peter started to care about things that only a child of God could care about. And he started to hate things that only a child of God could hate. Because Peter changed. He went from Simon to Peter, and Peter loved the kingdom of God. He loved righteousness. Yes, it was a process. Yes, he slipped up and messed up, but Peter matured and became someone that he was not going to become without Jesus Christ. He was a heavenly citizen. 
And therefore, he was a vastly different character. Are you a vastly different character? Are you becoming a vastly different character than you were before? That's a question to, to realize and to find out if you actually know Jesus by experience. Here's question number three. Do you have power to say no to sin? Because you will get that if you believe in Jesus. You won't just forgive your sins and say, okay, no matter what you do from this moment on, you got a blank check. It's, it's you know, do whatever you're going to do and, and I just will act like it didn't happen and I'll forgive it and you'll stand before me clean one day. No, that's not what Jesus does. He says, now you have the power to say no to sin. Now you could stand up to the devil. Now you must not sin. Before you belonged to it and it owned you and it enslaved you and you, you couldn't say no to, no to it. But now, because of my power, you can stand up to the devil. I will live inside of you and you can stand up to the devil and say, you don't own me any longer. And those sins that you're dangling in front of me, I say no to them. I don't want them. Get away from me, Satan. When you trust in Jesus Christ, you will have the very power that Peter had to say no to your former sinful lifestyle. That when the devil comes up to you and says, look, we own you, you have to, you love this, you know you're going to do it, you can say to him, no, you're wrong. I don't love it anymore and I'm not going to do it anymore because Jesus Christ has given me his power. That's number three. Number four is, are you privileged and able to serve the kingdom of God? Do you have the purpose of purposes that you are now a servant of the only lasting kingdom? And you love that. You are privileged by that. Nothing brings you greater joy than to serve your Lord because, boy, it's so opposite of where you were going and what you were doing. You used to be a servant of the kingdom of darkness. You used to be on the bad team, the wrong team, doing evil things, and now the Lord has changed you and brought you on his team, and he's allowed you a position in the kingdom of God or in the army of God. And now you can advance the kingdom of God. Are you privileged and able to serve his kingdom, be a part of his church, have special unique abilities that God has given you for that purpose to serve the kingdom of God? Because you will be if you know Jesus Christ personally and by experience. You will be privileged and able to serve the kingdom of God. And number five, are you loved by God? And again, I'm not asking you as a doctrinal assertion are you loved by God? And tell me the scripture that says so. I want to know, are you loved by God experientially? Does God love you daily? Does he love you faithfully, without fail? You will know when you're loved by God because you will not be able to unsee it and unrecognize it. It will be all over your life. You will see God's love stamped in every part of your life so faithfully, so regularly, so daily that you can't unwrite it. Are you loved by God? And if you're not sure if you're loved by God, that might be a big tell that you aren't a part of the kingdom of God yet. You don't belong to Jesus Christ. You haven't actually trusted in him. You haven't actually turned to him. And this is the whole point of today's podcast. That if Jesus isn't your savior, then it makes sense that you would give him nothing. And if he is your savior, then it would make sense that you should give him everything. But what about the many of those out there, and maybe some of you who are listening today, who are giving Jesus a toe, or an ankle, or a knee, and you're coming and going, it's, you know, you're, sometimes you're there, sometimes you're not there, sometimes you want to, sometimes you don't want to, uh, Jesus says do this, and sometimes you say yes, or you say yes to some things and not other things, you have a very lukewarm relationship with him, a very on and off relationship with him. 
Why? If you have taken everything from Jesus, why not give everything back? If you take nothing, you give nothing. That makes sense. But if you take everything, according to 2 Corinthians 5 and according to the life of Peter, we should give everything back. And if you're not giving everything back, the question really needs to be asked, asked today. Are you saved? Do you really know Jesus personally, experientially? Because if you do, it will make perfect sense that he deserves and demands everything back from you. You will want him to have that. And you will be able to give him that. And if not, and if you're questioning that, if you have a very lukewarm relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you might not belong to him. You may have been duped by the devil to assume that you're saved without actually experiencing the great salvation. And I ask you to ask that question today, to look deep within your soul and your life today, and your habits and your lifestyle and say, do I actually know Jesus? Am I giving him nothing, something, or everything? I say, if, you don't, if you're giving him nothing, you're not saved, of course. If you're giving him everything, then of course you're saved. But if you're giving him only some things or part of your life, it's very possible, if not probable, you also do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you could fall into a pattern and a lifestyle for a little while of lukewarmness. You can, and sadly it happens. It's tragic. But if you look at the course of your life and the themes of your life, and what you find is that you are mostly lukewarm, mostly fickle, mostly come and go, mostly dip a toe in, and that's about it then it's very likely you don't even know the Lord Jesus Christ by experience and you need to run to him and flee to him today to have your sins removed, to have the power over sin, to be loved by him, to be a citizen of heaven and to know that you are a brand new person. If you're saved today, consider what Jesus is worthy of your life. If you're not saved today or you might not be saved today, run to him today because it's either nothing or everything. There's nothing in between. If it's nothing, you're on your way to hell. If it's everything, you're on your way to heaven. And if it's somewhere in the middle, at least explore it so that you can have the confidence that you belong to him, he belongs to you, and that one day you will stand confident at Judgment Day because Jesus wants you to have supreme assurance and confidence today that you are a child of God and you are a citizen of heaven it's either nothing or it's everything. And I ask that you would explore that today. It's mind fitness. It's how we get fit in our mind and healthy in our spiritual walk. And we'll continue looking at this next week. I thank you for tuning in. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.